Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
Hey, welcome to another episode of the Hot Wash. This is your host, CJ, and the lovely Alex Maltizo. How are you doing, Hello. Alex? I am fantastic. I'm really excited for today's show. Um, this is the first time we've had a Gold Star Father on the radio show. I uh, couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't be more excited to, to have our Gold Star Father, Dr. Jeff Falco, tonight. And uh, obviously, it's been a long time since we've been on the air. I think it's probably June of last year was the last time we did an episode. And uh, working out some kinks with uh, Blog Talk Radio tonight. So uh, I apologize for maybe the sound quality. I had to call in on my cell phone and get it going that way because the uh, software is not working. But uh, we're going to make it happen nonetheless. Um, so, uh, Dr. Sokol, are you here with us? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. It's our honor. <clears throat> Definitely an honor to have uh, Dr. Falco with us tonight. Uh, for those of you who maybe have never listened to the Hot Watch before or this is the first time in a long time that you're listening, um, I'll set a couple of ground rules and uh, let you know what we're all about. Um, <clears throat> the Hot Watch is part of Warfighter uh, Outreach Radio Network. Uh, we're all about reaching out to our brothers and veterans, our brothers and sister veterans, and uh, letting them know that uh, there is life after the military. There's life after combat, and that you can be a full-functioning member of society um, despite what you've been through in the past uh, and the struggles you've been through with in war, and that you can come back Come back to your family, have a good family relationship, and be a successful person, a successful person of humanity, in humanity, and contribute to the community and getting rid of the stigma that all soldiers who have PTSD are damaged goods. Um, That's kind of what we stand for and what we're about. We definitely uh, always look for fellow veterans, patriots, and those who support veterans to come on and be veteran, uh, be guests on our show. And tonight I can think of a better way to start this season off than having a gold star father with us um, who knows definitely, uh, very intimately, the sacrifice uh, of supporting our freedom and our way of life. Um, give me just a second. I think I've been talking too much today. I'm losing my voice. Um, America's greatest commodity is uh, our sons and our daughters Uh, regardless of all the gold regardless of all the riches and uh, the money that America might have and the businesses that we um, triumph in without our most precious commodity which is our sons and our daughters we have nothing Um, our sons and our daughters have paid for our freedom in the United States, and they've given us our way of life, given us the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the freedom to go about our daily lives. And if it weren't for these young men and women who sacrificed their life daily, we would not be able to uh, so eloquently live the lives that we live. So uh, I can't think of a more fitting way than to start off our season uh, with Dr. Jeff Falco, who has given his most precious commodity, which was his son, Staff Sergeant Chris Falco. So, uh, Dr. Falco, I definitely want to say thank you for coming on the show and being a guest tonight. 
Thank you, CJ. It's uh, as I said earlier, it was truly an honor, and uh, yeah, your your words ring very true. It's uh, uh, we're, we are very fortunate that there are men and women like yourself that will that will put on a uniform and go out there and and defend the rights and the freedoms that we we sometimes take for granted as Americans. And and uh, it, I, I know I will never take that freedom for for granted ever again. And you served in the military prior, so you're a retired yes. veteran yourself. Yes, ma'am. So to, to lose your son, um, could you tell us about Chris? Absolutely. Um, Chris was born in September uh, 24th, 1982 and, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, we lived there for two years, moved to Ohio for six years, and then uh, moved out here to Colorado when Chris was about eight years old. And pretty much as soon as we got out here, he put uh, a Special Forces long tab, an airborne tab, and a Special Forces arrowhead on the wall above his bed. And as an eight-year-old, he knew what he wanted to do when he grew up. And and I was uh, very fortunate and blessed okay. to be able to, to help him on his journey. Uh, we would spend um, countless hours... Uh, training, doing all different kinds of, uh, you know, land navigation and tracking and distance estimation. I have a part-time job out at a golf course, and we would go out there at night and and uh, be able to figure out distances, you know, very accurately based on the uh, the markers on the fairway. Um, and so it was it was one of the joys of my life to be able to, to prepare my son and, and to train with my son uh, in, in his effort to become a member of the United States Army Special Forces. Um, he went into the Army right after September 11th. He uh, <clears throat> went through the um, uh, basic training at Fort Bragg, I mean at Fort Benning, uh, went to jump school there, went up for, uh, to Fort Bragg for selection in uh, May of 2002, uh, was selected on his first trial, and went through the Q course, graduating as a weapons sergeant in um, February of 2004. Uh, left within six days of graduating from uh, from SEER school and was in Afghanistan um, on ODA 316. He was a member of 1st Battalion, 3rd Special Forces Group. And uh, no sooner did he get to Afghanistan, but the uh, the senior Bravo on his team, the senior weapons sergeant, um, had to come back to the States for uh, a family emergency. So even though Chris was basically, you know, Six days out of the Q course, uh, he became the senior weapons sergeant. Well, everybody decided that they weren't going to let that get to his head, so they ca- started calling him Junior, and that was the name that stuck. Uh, so he was in Afghanistan from uh, from February of 2004 until June of 2004. Um, came home, uh, came back to the states, uh, back to Fort Bragg, and uh, his sergeant major knew, and his team sergeant knew that. Uh, Chris needed to be in as many schools as possible because if he if he wasn't doing something, he was going to get in trouble. So they <laughs> pretty much put him in on almost every high uh, high value school that that there is within the special forces. Um, he was the undergraduate. What was his in, favorite? Uh, his, his favorite was the sniper school, and uh, mm. in fact, he wanted to be a sniper ever since he was little. Uh, his high school graduation present, we we built a sniper rifle together. And uh, and he was he was good. His uh, uh, he was he was a phenomenal shot. 
uh, was actually the honor graduate of his of his soda class, and uh, right after right after he graduated from uh, from Special Forces uh, Sniper School, got on a plane and flew out to Utah, and I drove over from Colorado. We went skiing together because he was going to get ready to go back to Afghanistan in June of, of 2005, and so first day we were there we're on the chairlift and it's snowing like crazy in fact we actually missed getting off the chairlift which was kind of funny to both of us and as we're coming back down the hill um he says you know dad when when i get back from afghanistan i want to start making pens out of 762 shells and ever since he was a little boy he was he would make things out of shell casings you know key rings and light poles and and different objects but you know we had never made a pen and i thought that was kind of a cool idea and so you know we talked about it you know, the rest of that day. And, and, uh, yeah, when you get back, we'll, we'll work on it. Well, on August 7th, 2005, um, his team ODA 316, uh, went out on a mission and, uh, 54 hours later, um, they got back to their fire base after the, uh, the famous battle of Marigar. Uh, in the middle of that battle at approximately 1930 local time, um, Chris was killed by a sniper and uh unfortunately fortunately he was the only member of his team that was uh that perished one of his other teammates was injured um but you know he survived and, and is doing fine uh, prior to that fateful moment um, he had saved the lives of his teammates and, and the 16 members of the Ashian national national army that were with them on several occasions over the course of that 54-hour battle um, he was awarded the Silver Star posthumously for for his efforts, his valor, and his heroism. And uh, I, I I lost a son, but excuse me, but I gained a family. And his his special forces family is is my family. Um, there are a lot of little kids running around today that would not be here if if Chris did not do his job, and uh, and he did it as only he could. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm very grateful, uh, that, that he was the only one who perished and, and, uh, and that he was able to, to, to save his teammates because they're, they've done amazing things, not only for special forces, but for our country and for the world uh, subsequently, you know, to that battle. So, um, that was, uh, that was my son. Yeah. Can you hear me, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I want to I want to touch uh, briefly and first and foremost uh, and I didn't give this disclaimer um, and not to take away from what we're talking about the the, the hot wash is definitely a hundred percent uncensored uh, it's unfiltered uh, and I like to call it unadulterated um, we will speak our mind and we will talk about. Uh, the truth on this episode and on every episode of the hot wash. So uh, if if those uh, who have tender ears or who might not appreciate uh, strong language uh, or the truth, um, this might not be the episode uh, or the radio um, station for you to listen to, um, because we will definitely tell it a hundred percent uncensored and unadulterated. Um, Listening to your story, Jeff, I, I tell you, it, it, one of my things that I definitely say, and I spoke with you last night on the phone, is, you know, it, my allergies uh, very rarely kick in. 
Um, and when they do, boy, they hit me hard. And, and listening to you talk about your son, Chris, definitely causes me to have a, a, a run of allergies uh, in my eyes and my water. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to do that to a lot of people, including Jack Nicholas. <laughs> I had him crying like a baby one time. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's um, it, it's it's – he was an amazing young man for for only being 22. He did an awful lot. and uh, I definitely want to – so – Chris was was 22 when uh, when he when he paid the ultimate sacrifice in, in price of our freedom for this nation. Correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was an E6. He was a staff sergeant, and uh, he had advanced through the ranks pretty quickly. In fact, he was actually he wasn't even in the army. He wasn't even in the military for four years, and yet he was already a, an E6. Had he lived to October 4th, 2005, um, that was the date for his uh, E7 board. Um, so he, he uh, his sergeant major always used to joke with him that he was going to outrank him before he got out of the army, and he almost did. <laughs> so uh, I, I definitely, uh, you know, in talking with you last night, I got the chance to talk to you last night for a couple of hours on the phone. Um, tell tell me a little bit about um, where you came from, Jeff, and and your upbringing, um, and then I'm going to hit on some things uh, as far as the way that you raised Chris. Um, okay. That, that I'll hit on uh, and ask you about. I, sure, sure. I was uh, raised in upstate New York. Um, old, you know, country boy. Uh, I was lucky. I had a five thousand acre backyard, and and uh, soon as school was over, um, you know, I basically lived up on the mountains. Uh, you know, taking care of myself and fending for myself, and you know, I I can vividly remember. Uh, you know, telling my mother, well, I'm, I'm heading up the hill. When are you coming back? Oh, a couple of weeks. And and, and back in those days, you know, back in the 50s, I wasn't, uh, you know, nobody thought twice about it. Um, did my, under, my undergraduate education at uh, Cortland State. Uh, I was uh, actually supposed to be in General Petraeus' class at West Point, but uh, I was in a car accident in December of uh, 68 and or 69, rather, and uh and so they, you know, I wasn't able to go to West Point. Um, um, did my master's in physical therapy at Duke University uh, and then did my doctoral work in uh, cardiovascular and exercise physiology at the University of Pittsburgh. In 1985, I uh, was able to get into the Army Reserve, uh, worked as a physiologist for 16 years uh, doing different testing and training and establishing different protocols and looking at equipment and different things for, for all different you know, all different uh, units within the military. It was a, it was a great job. Um, have been uh, was a physical therapist for for many years, and uh, in 2007, I figured out Chris's dream of of making a pen out of out of seven six two casings. And so, uh, on what would have been his 25th birthday, 24 September 2007. Uh, we started Junior's Bullet Pen Company. Junior was, you know, as I said earlier, what everybody called him. And, uh, you know, continued to work and coached and did a lot of different things. Uh, I was very, very fortunate in my professional uh, career to work with um, athletes of all ages, uh, all abilities uh, from, from youth athletes to Olympic athletes to, to combat athletes. And uh, uh, it was it was 
truly a, a, a great career, and I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to work with so many amazing men and women. Um, but about 2000, 2008 or 2000, about 2009, I guess, uh, bullet pens started taking off, and uh, it became, it was no longer a hobby. It became, uh, and a passion that actually became what I did pretty much full-time, and uh, full-time, a lot of time included 20 hours a day. Uh, so since 2007, <clears throat> made close to 400,000 uh, pens. And uh, our initial, when we first started making them, that we started in uh, uh, our the world headquarters was our kitchen table. Um, and then three years ago, uh, when we started increasing our product line. I, my Christmas present to my dear wife was moving the world headquarters down to the palatial basement. So that's where uh, you know we uh, we. We push pens out every day. So, and it's kind of like an, a, a therapeutic alone time for you. Um, I remember talking oh, to you about how when you're making these pens, but does it feel, um, I mean, how do you feel about, um, you know, Chris's presence? Because I know that you, um, being Lakota, part Lakota, that you um, have a certain belief system about warriors and where they are, correct? I mean, what's, your, what's your belief? Can you share that with us? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I was very, very fortunate, and, and over 4,000 Gold Star families uh, in our country and over 2,000 Gold Star families worldwide um, have gotten a, an amazing gift from a, an angel among us. The name is Mike Reagan, and he lives out in uh, just north of Seattle, and he does amazing, amazing portraits for uh, for the fall and families for absolutely no charge. And so right above my, uh, my workstation, I have, a, I have Mike's Reagan's portrait of Chris and a copy of it. And I have a copy of, uh, one of Chris's other teammates, uh, um, chief warrant officer to Mark Reed, who was killed, uh, by, you know, an enemy that nobody saw, uh, called cancer. He died of multiple myeloma two and a half years ago. And, uh, I, I feel their presence, you know, Chris's presence and Marcus's presence with every pen I make. Um, you know, they their spirit is with me, and and uh, uh, you know, falcons are very very important to our family. Our our name means a little falcon in Lakota, and, and uh, I see falcons on a regular basis, and and it never fails that when uh, <laughs> when I need when I need help in the head, a falcon will almost always show up. And it's pretty special. And I know how close you are with your ODA 316 family. Um, can you tell me how they've helped you heal as well and how you guys have helped each other as a family? Absolutely. And I think that's probably the best the best explanation of it, Alex, is, is helping each other. Because I lost a son, but, but they lost a teammate. They lost a brother. And of the guys on Chris's team who had well over a hundred years of special forces experience combined, uh, no, they had never lost a teammate and, and, and it was hard. It was, it still is hard on them. Um, because, you know, it just is. And, uh, part of the problem that they feel is that, well, you know, it should have been me or there wasn't anything, you know, I couldn't, there wasn't anything I could do about it. And, uh, and and I've had that frustration. 
you know, I, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there. With. I think that's one of the biggest things that, uh, one of the biggest things, Jeff, that fellow teammates and, uh, comrades in arms and brothers and sisters, they always feel that survivor's guilt. Um, Absolutely. They always feel like, you know, what, what could I have done to change the course of this action or what could I have done to prevent this, to preventing this loss uh, of my brother or my sister. Um, but I think one of the things, and I know, um, I definitely believe you're a spiritual man. Um, you know, I believe wholeheartedly, and I've said it many times on the hot wash, um, I, I don't get too um, religious, but uh, there's the man upstairs has a plan. There's a plan for everything. Um, before we know and before we even have a clue or what we think we know, um, it's written down in a book. Uh, and the man knows when he's going to take us home and when he's when our, our work on earth is finished. Um, so regardless of how we feel and, and what we think we might can do to change that, um, when it when it all comes down to it, uh, when when the man upstairs says it's time to go, it's time to go. Uh, and there's nothing that we can do to change that. Um, but but one of the things that we, we can, can oh, – I'm sorry. Let's go ahead. No, sorry, you, one of the things that we can take comfort in is knowing that um, our time on on earth is precious and the difference that we can make in individuals' lives every day until it is our time is what makes the difference. The lives that we touch, the people that we touch, and the things that we do um, is what makes that difference and the impact that we have on those uh, who uh, we were blessed to spend our time with um, that's that's what makes the difference, and I, I can tell you not just listening to you as as Chris's father, um, but in speaking with other people who knew Chris, knew your son personally, um, he made that impact on their lives. Um, he was oh, an individual who definitely um, dynamically um, owned a room when he walked into it. Um, <laughs> it's not there, there, there was no doubt. Exactly. You know, if, if he did not have the center, and that's not to say that in a condescending or a, a demeaning kind of way, but if he didn't have the center of attention, he made sure he had your attention when he walked into a room um, because he was going to challenge um, whoever the alpha male was with him and show them that he was just as good, if not better, than they were. Uh, and that's what being a warrior is all about. Absolutely. And I and I think you know to to follow up on on what you you started saying, CJ, you're 100 percent correct. Is one of the things I tell you know people when when they when they ask me about about Chris and and losing him and whatever, and it's hard. It's you know it's it's tough, but I I honestly believe that the survivors rather than having guilt, we have a, we have a, we have a a, a gift. And our gift was knowing that person. And mm-hmm. we have a solemn duty to let the world know. And let the world know what, I mean, what he was all about. Um, I was actually in presence uh, when a veteran was walking across the street, and he was in his walker. And this lady who wasn't paying attention, she was on the phone, and she uh, hit the veteran, and he was under the van, and and he was holding on to the chastity for 
least 20 feet and to find out later on um, from the scene of the crime he had passed. And everybody, um, you know, will always like to live to longevity, but, you know, to already, Chris already knew what he wanted to do. He, it was like he prepared himself, you know, for that moment. And mm-hmm. um, to see a veteran get hit at home and all these crazy accidents that happen on the motorcycles and things like that, he was able to die in battle the way a warrior, you know, in Lakota oh. style, as they say, Hoka, hey, you know, um, yeah. that's the absolutely, best way Alex. that I think that Chris would want to die. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he uh, he always used to say, I'm going to go out in the blaze of glory, and he did, you know, and uh, uh, the things he did in the, you know, in the first 40, 40 some odd hours of that battle are are, are epic. Um, and you know, somebody that's twenty two years old is not supposed to not supposed to know how to do those things, and not supposed to have the, the the talent and the skill and the the confidence that he had. And he was an incredibly confident person. You know, he knew what he was going to do, and 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 he knew it was going to be right. And he, you know, if it was wrong, he was wrong, and he knew that, and he would admit it, and he would apologize. But he wasn't wrong very often. <laughs> And uh, no. in fact, one of one of the things he used to say to me all the time is, uh, you know, Dad, uh, you know, even a broke watch is right twice a day. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, uh, well, so that was my, you my had time a, to be right. And uh, you had a conversation, and uh, I think just it's I don't know if it's father, you know, a parent's intuition, but you have this premonition, this feeling, when he called you last. Could you tell oh, us absolutely. about that? Yeah, I. Uh, when he was over in Afghanistan, his first trip, um, I didn't have, I didn't worry one. I, there wasn't a single moment. And, and I, I understand I was in the military for a long time, and, and I understand the, the, the risks that are involved. But I had absolutely no fear, none, uh, that anything was going to happen to him in his first trip. And, uh, um, you know, the, the night before he left, uh, they left on, uh, on Father's Day, uh, 2005. So 20th of June or whatever that is. And he called me up on Saturday night, uh, the night before, because he wasn't going to get to wish me a happy Father's Day on, on Saturday, on Sunday, because he would be in the air. And, uh, and he, you know, he said, now, you know, dad, I know, I know you don't want to hear about this in a way. And I know you don't want to talk about it, but we got to talk about it. Cause if something happens and I'm not saying it's gonna, but if something happens, this is what I want you to do. And he just kind of outlined step by step, you know, his, his wishes. And, you know, and I said yes to, you know, to, to most of them. I disagreed with a couple. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, I I had this feeling. Every, and in, before the basement became um, our, uh, you know, ward headquarters of Junior's Bullet Pen Company, it was my weight room. And I used to come down and train, you know, almost every day. And... Uh, mm-hmm. It, you know, I could be I could be having a great day, and I would come downstairs and I'd start training, and within minutes, I just have this ungodly feeling of something's going to happen to Chris, <clears throat> and and it got to the point where I stopped training, I stopped going down in my basement, um, other than to do the laundry, uh, because every time I did, I just had this incredibly horrible feeling. And we we spent a lot of time down in the basement. You know, my younger, you know, tips the. Chris's younger brother, Tim, uh, you know, they were both great soccer players. And so we had a little, you know, indoor soccer arena, you know, on one side of the basement. You know, we had an indoor shooting range 
um, you know, across the front of the house in the basement. And, and so we, you know, we spent a lot of time down here and I don't, I don't think that was it, but what I think was happening, it was, it was him preparing me for what was going to happen. And, uh, mm. so on uh, the night of August 6th, um, in Colorado at, in that evening, uh, got a phone call and I'd actually already gone to bed and, uh, you know, my wife came upstairs and woke me up and said, hey, you know, Chris is on the phone. And it was unusual because he always called my cell phone. And back in those days, I was, you know, working, uh, doing a lot of work with uh, strength coaches and athletes around the world. And I was li- literally traveling all over the world. And I told everybody, I said, hey, I'm not turning my cell phone off because if Chris calls me, I'm taking the phone call. And everybody understood. And, every, you know, and it, was, you know, it was only two or three times that it happened. But, you know, I was mm-hmm. not going to miss a phone call from my son. So uh, that uh, the night of August sixth, um, which was August seventh in, in Afghanistan, Chris called up and uh, you know we had a great conversation, you know, forty five minutes or so, and uh, but again he kind of kind of reviewed with me what he wanted me to do if something happened, and uh, so in fact uh, I so that was uh, that was on the seventh. And one of the things he wanted was the Madden football game, the 2006 Madden football game. So on August 9th, a uh, very, very special day to me now, um, mm-hmm. I was getting ready to take uh, my younger son, Tim, back to University of Hawaii. And uh, so 5 o'clock in the morning when Walmart opened, I went and picked up this uh, Madden football game for Chris and threw some that and some pistachio nuts and some other things that he wanted uh, in a care package and took them to the post office and, and dropped them off and shipped them to him over in Afghanistan and, and then came back to the house. And, uh, you know, 8.30, 8.40, we had, I told Tim we have to leave for the airport to get to fly back to Hawaii. And uh, I'm literally taking my luggage and Tim's luggage out to the back of my truck when the cashier assistance officer rolled down the street. And, uh, you know, my, my reaction to that, and I, and I apologize to, to the chief, um, you know, for, uh, for screaming at him because uh, they, they no sooner got up and he and the, uh, the chaplain got out of the vehicle and, and asked if, um, uh, you know, and I, I said, who else is killed? They didn't answer. So I said it a little bit louder voice. Uh, you know, who else was killed? They didn't answer. And, and then I start screaming. I'm yelling at him at the top of my lungs. And, and uh, she finally said, no one surged, but uh, we, we probably should go inside. And I just collapsed <clears throat> right there. And uh, that's how I found out. But I, like you said, Alex, I, 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 I think Chris was preparing me for, for this path. I'm holding your hand. Be strong. And um, no one ever wants to, I mean, I don't have children of my own, obviously. CJ CJ has children. Um, No one ever thinks um, they would ever outlive their children. Never. And I know that. I know that Chris really loved playing with children. And uh, I mean, what kind of father do you think he would be today? Uh, and what amazing. kind of father has it made of you because of his death? Better, much better. I uh, I look at things a whole different way. And I'm, Thank you. I am blessed. You, right. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. Teacher. I'm I'm just 
I said earlier, I'm, I'm just truly blessed for the family that I have now. And they're blessed to have you. We're all blessed to have you. I think one of the things, one of the things that uh, I definitely want to touch on, Jess, um, because you hear so much, and, and I try to stay away from politics, but Chris's sacrifice to to our country and to our freedom, um, that's not a decision that he took lightly. No. Um, no. That's something that Chris, listening to, to, to you and, and listening to the stories that you told about Chris uh, when we were on the phone, you know, that that's something that Chris knew he wanted to do his entire life. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, we watched we watched the second tower come down together on September 11th, and uh, and I looked at him and I looked him square in the eye. I said, because he you know he was in an early entry program into the army, and I looked him square in the eye. I said, you're going to war. And he said, I'm ready, Dad. And uh, in fact, when he his very very first interaction with his first team leader, an amazing man by the name of Major Jim Gantz, um, they they had a uh, uh, Chris had literally just got off the plane, and they had somebody uh, triangulated that they were going to go after. And uh, uh, Jim sat Chris down on the hood of his uh, GMV and said, Chris, you just got off the plane. You haven't even zeroed your weapon. Um, you know, we're going after uh, HVT-1. And, and Chris tells me later he had no idea what HVT-1 meant. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> uh, Jim says to him, he goes, you know, I'm never going to tell you this again, but, but it, you know, if you don't, if you don't think you're ready, if you don't think you can, you know, hold your weight on in this mission, uh, you know, we'll let you stay in the fire base. And he looked Jim square in the eye and he said, sir, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And Jim said, well, don't call me sir anymore and go zero your weapon. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't get to, to go after him that night, but, uh, but even, you know, the next morning, his teammates knew that, that they had a warrior. They, they knew that, uh, even though this young, um, bright-eyed, uh, you know, 20, 20, he was only 20 at the time, 20-year-old um, uh, junior um, was was a warrior, and he uh, he could hold his weight and and pull his weight and and uh, and he did, and he did it the right way. And uh, I wanted to share with uh, with the uh, with our audience what. Uh, Stoudemire from Rustic Knives is doing, he actually has a pair of Chris's boots from Afghanistan. And uh, he started this, um, is it the, per, uh, you know, boots from people who, um, who've had purple hearts. And he has 911 steel and he's uh, shaping them into Randall knives. Um, and he is making um, a special knife. Uh, with Chris's boots, um, they're stacking the leather for the handle, but um, Chris mm-hmm. will actually be a part of that. Yeah. 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 You you said something earlier, CJ, that that is, uh, you know, I meant to uh, talk about it then, but but it's, you know, Chris was only in the army for less than four years, but it it just never ceases to amaze me the the people whose lives he's touched, and and subsequently have touched my life, and and. Uh, it, it, it just every day, every day, I, I almost every day, I hear somebody else or somebody that you know interacted with him or knew him or knew of him, and and uh, it's uh, it's it's special. It means a lot to me as as his dad that uh, that he he was so so well thought of and and 
you know, for being the character that he was, and he was definitely a character. Um, <laughs> he uh, he did it. He did it the right way. I can tell you that definitely. I I have the, nothing but the utmost respect for our Gold Star families. Um, and and, and I, I can't have a conversation with a Gold Star family member face-to-face without um, getting teary-eyed. Um, allergies. Yeah, my allergies yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. kick in. Yeah. Um, Onions. Because I've seen uh, the sacrifice, and I've been there when my brothers and sisters have made that sacrifice. And something I wanted to, to touch on and um, – I briefly mentioned it earlier was the the, the political aspect. Um, you know, I'm going to touch on something uh, that's hot in the news. It has been in this week. Um, the, the the criticism of, of of our new president, President Trump, of the Navy, the Navy SEAL operator from SEAL Team Six who lost lost his life in Yemen conducting that mission. Um, I can tell you a hundred percent, unequivocally, without any mental reservation or hesitation whatsoever that every single member of the special operations and special forces community, they're there because they want to be. They're not there because they have to be. Yeah, they follow orders. They're soldiers, but they volunteered. They volunteered to be up front where the fighting is hard. They volunteered to be at the tip of the spear where others might not have the courage to be and and fight. And there's no greater honor than for a special operations soldier to lose his life in battle. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and it's not that they volunteered. That's what they needed to do. That's, that, that's their, it was their destiny. You know, they, they, it's not something you go into lightly. And, uh, and in order to even be successful in the special operations community, you have to be prepared. You have to have a, a special, um, physical preparation, a special mental preparation, special emotional preparation, and it's not something that you can, you know, go to Walmart and pick up for, you know, for five ninety five. It's 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 something that that comes from your heart, it comes from your soul, it comes from your family, and uh, and you're exactly right. I mean, these guys, uh, they 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 know the risks. Uh, they've been they, you know, they've been in, in doing this for a long time, and uh, you know, for for people to to criticize. Uh, the commander in chief who who oh by the way made a point to be out there you know to greet um to be with his family when his body arrived back in dover and i can pretty much guarantee that uh the previous administrations didn't do that or if they did it was very very rare and uh you know unfortunately we lost another brother for the weekend and uh, you know, I I sincerely believe that President Trump will be there when when his body arrives back at Dover. So I, I no, believe I, that 100. percent And I'm not here to um, um, this is this isn't the Trump hour. This isn't you know a time for me to uh, talk about how great I think President Trump is. Uh, am I impressed with what President Trump has done? Absolutely, 100. percent And I can tell mm-hmm. you. Um, the respect that he has gained from his soldiers um, by showing up at Plainside to greet the remains of a fallen comrade uh, and a man that was he was responsible for speaks volumes um, of his leadership and of his respect that he has for 
um, for all men and women in uniform. Um, and I, you know, to, to quell any rumors or to any, uh, uh, questions that there might be out there, I can tell you a hundred percent, um, being involved, um, with the most time sensitive targets, the most high value targets that the United States, um, had at, at times when I was serving in special operations, um, the ground force commander has the decision to either execute that mission or not execute that mission. And the, the hogwash of them saying that President Trump sent them in there <clears throat> without uh, proper intelligence uh, is absolutely ludicrous because the ground force commander knew he had actionable intel or he wouldn't have executed that mission. Um, exactly. So those, the men and women, <clears throat> and I say women because there's there's women on the front lines that the American people have no clue about um, that are fighting. So the men and women and our brothers and sisters in arms, um, they know the inherent risk that's associated with their job. Um, they're there because they want to be. Um, get a drink so I can stop cracking my voice. You know, I think back to, uh, there's many verses in the Bible, and and I swear I'm not trying to preach, but uh, one of the, the verses that uh, that means a lot to the special operations community is, you know, Isaiah 6 and 8, and it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. That scripture um, rings true in the hearts and minds of every individual who signs up um, in the special operations community. <clears throat> now, we talk about special operations a lot on this on this uh, this radio show, and that's not to downplay uh, the service uh, or the decisions that any soldier airman, sailor, or marine uh, is made volunteering for service to their nation because I absolutely respect that. Um, but we're not talking about individuals who signed up to get their college paid for and thought that, oh, I'm going to sign up, get my college paid for, and then I'm not going to have to deploy. I'm going to just do my time and get out. We're talking about guys who knew the inherent risk in the profession that they chose. And the, uh, <clears throat> I get a little bit uh, worked up thinking about this too and talking about it. But <clears throat> there's a lot of guys know, you know, I'm a former night soccer. And uh, the last stanza in our night soccer creed is that I serve with the memory and pride of those who have gone before me for they love to fight, fought to win, and would rather die than quit. Night stalkers don't quit. So I look at my brothers like Staff Sergeant Chris Falco, and I know that he died doing what he loved. Um, mm -hmm. Did he with, want to leave his With the men, with the men he loved. Yeah. Exactly. Did he want to leave his family? Mm -hmm. No. None of us want to leave our family. We'd all, you know, love to be at home spending time with our wife and our kids, our girlfriends, <clears throat> brothers, sisters. But if we don't sacrifice, who will? 
So that's the reason, mm-hmm. that's what drives us to do these missions. Um, Jeff, we talked about kind of Chris's history, what drew, what drove him to become a soldier and what drove him to become Special Forces and uh, <clears throat> be up front where the fighting was hard. I, I want to say thank you um, for being the outstanding example of what a Gold Star father is because you know, I've got a lot of friends who are Gold Star family mm-hmm. members, um, and I interact with Gold Star family members at least weekly. Um, and it's you know, it's it's their choice, it's their prerogative to deal with the loss of their loved one how they do, and you know, I respect that. Um, but I have a greater and a higher respect for Gold Star family members who embrace the history and the service of their of their their uh, lost loved one and who carry the torch for their lost loved one and give back to the community and set the example for other gold star family members and other service members and and families of service members and Jeff you know I, mm-hmm. I definitely want to say thank you for doing that and for being such a, a fine outstanding gold star father um, and, and being so supportive so proud of, you. of the armed forces. Yeah. So you, proud CJ, of you. Thank, thank you, Alex. Uh, it's uh, I tell everybody it's the least I can do, and it's true. You know, I I uh, I would do more if I could. And you will, and you will. Yep, absolutely. Um, can you tell us about some of the um, things that you're championing as well? I know sure. that. You're heavily involved with Task Force Dagger and uh, mm-hmm. and Cantrell's uh, Dancing Angel. Can you tell us about those? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things that 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 you know, I mean, as Alex had, had asked earlier, uh, a question about you know Chris's presence. This is his company. It's not mine. And uh, and so I I I channel and I I model things after how. I know Chris would have done things, and he was uh, he was a very giving person, and he loved he loved taking care of people. And uh, so, one of the things we decided early on, in fact, day one with with the company, is that we would give back to to the special operations community that that was that was his family. And uh, so we've donated uh, a lot. To, uh, in terms of cash and, and product to, uh, to different foundations. Uh, but the, the, the three foundations that I'm working most with now is uh, Task Force Dagger Foundation. And, uh, and actually, we're going to get Keith, uh, Keith David, the executive director of that, on, on Hogwash in a couple of weeks. Um, Task Force Dagger is uh, one of the few special operations foundations that supports all of special operations. You know, not mm-hmm. just the operators, but also the support personnel and their families. And uh, uh, there's three pre- three main missions of Task Force Dagger. Uh, one is immediate need. Uh, one is uh, the, what we call soft initiatives. We're looking to kind of find what's 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 hurting and 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 killing our special operations soldiers. Uh, you know, outside of the battlefield in terms of cancers and lead exposures and different different things like that. 
Um, but the thing I'm most intimately involved with is the recreational therapy aspect where we, we find activities that the entire family can participate in. Because as, uh, as Keith has said many, many times, uh, you know, this, it's not just the soldier that's wounded, it's the whole family that's wounded. And so we, uh, in fact, Alex is joining the team this year, and we're going out to, to Key West I'm in excited. June. And, and we have a, uh, you know, we're called, it's, I think it's the seventh or eighth dagger dive uh, this year down in, uh, down in Key West. And, you know, we'll get, it's just, you know, every, every year that I go, my family gets that much bigger. Um, uh, people that I've met and and people that uh, that I interact with, you know, they're they're no longer just people; they're they're family members, and and that's how how Thagger feels. Um, also, do I'm on the board of directors. It is one of my great honors to be on the board of directors of Dancing Angels Foundation. It was a foundation that Louise Cantrell started in honor of her two beautiful daughters, Natalia and Isabella, who were perished at a house fire with their dad uh, back in 2012. And, uh, you know, the girls love to dance. That was their their passion and their love. And so what Louise has done is put together a, a foundation that will provide uh, scholarship monies to young dancers uh, to allow them to continue to, to be part of a uh, the passion that that her daughters had for that amazing activity, um, we've given out I can't remember how many scholarships, but but quite a few. We actually have a couple of people that are in college now, and part of their college their dance scholarships um, will be provided by Dancing Angels Foundation. Um, and then you know, Special Operations Warrior Foundation, you know, is is been around the longest. Uh, you know, it was started you know to support the children of. The uh, eight service members that were killed in, uh, in Desert One back in the Iranian Desert back in '87 uh, uh, or what was it? It wasn't '87. When was it? '77. Um, and uh, you know, and then the other foundation that I you know I help out is, as much as we can is Mike Reagan's uh, Fallen Heroes Project. And like I said earlier, he he's an amazing man that that draws portraits for free, absolutely at no charge. And so if there's anybody out there that's listening to this, this is my little commercial, um, who is a Gold Star family or knows a Gold Star family that does not does does not have one of Mike Reagan's portraits, you know, please contact him or you can contact me. Uh, their website is fallenheroesproject.org um, because it's Mike's mission to to draw all of them, all of the fallen. Uh, and he's also not not just the fallen uh, military, but he, you know, the the five Texas police, uh, Dallas police officers that were killed several uh, months or a year ago. Uh, he's done the children that were in Sandy Hook. Um, so he he he's a, an amazing giving man, and, and uh, I'm, I'm truly and blessed to be able to call him brother. Yes, he was, and he a, was combat a former Marine, Marine. In Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And he also yeah. won the uh, con- the Civilian Congressional Medal of Honor as well for all yes. his work. Yeah, last year he was awarded that. Yeah, Yeah. and his goal, um, I remember, was to make sure that he portrayed all of the fallen. So that is uh, something that he uh, is making a personal mission. Yeah, to be able to to bring them home to their families. And, uh, you know, Mike's, in fact, uh, when when Chris died... um, you know, that first day, I literally, if, if the casualty assistance officer had showed up five minutes later, they I, they would have missed me because we, Tim and I would have already been on our way to the airport. Um, so, 
we had to deal with everything in terms of funeral arrangements and memorials and things like that. But I still had to get Tim to Hawaii because he needed to get his stuff out of his apartment and get, you know, get him another place to live. So while we were flying over uh, to to Hawaii, and I hadn't slept, you know, a, a, a second uh, in two days, yeah. um, I asked the uh, the flight attendants on the on the United flight there if if I could have some some napkins. And I, I had this compulsion to start writing down stories and writing down memories, almost like I was afraid I was going to forget them. And uh, that, those 77 napkins uh, that, that I wrote on, you know, back and forth to, uh, from, from Honolulu to, to, to Denver, uh, became the, the start of uh, the making of our warrior, the book that I wrote about Chris with his, uh, with his ODAs. And hey, Jeff, we're going to be uh, we're going to get okay. cut off in about thirty seconds. We're going to okay. it'll okay. Consti- it'll still continue to record, but uh, the live broadcast will be over. So Jeff, can you please real quick and Alex, I'm going to kick your butt because yes. next time I'm going to overbook for over an hour because I should have known better. We would have talked more than an hour <laughs> tonight, with Jeff. Uh, um, actually, we have but, an appointment after this, so yeah, no, this is perfect. I, okay. I know about your appointments. It's running like a machine. I know about that. Um, Jeff, real, <laughs> real quick. That's why you're my um, bestie. <laughs> t- tell us about uh, the program's junior bullet pins. Tell us about okay. that. Um, yeah. Because I carry we, uh, a junior bullet pin every single day, and I write with every every day. It's in my pocket. So I know. I love tell it. Tell us about junior bullet pins. So we uh, we ha- we make pens out of uh, 7.62 shells, and we also have uh, 50 caliber Sharpie dry erase markers, things like that. Um, that we put have different coatings for them. We have different tips and color combinations. Uh, but more importantly, what 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 the program is all about is it it's it's a living tribute to Chris and and to uh, to the men and women of our military that uh, that that use the tools of war, um, you know, shell casings and and bullets, and we've turned them into instruments of education. And uh, education was like incredibly that. important to Chris, not not just not just to his own education, but the education of of his teammates, of his brother, um, of the people, you know, the force multiple hire that he was in in, in Afghanistan, and and educating the the Afghanis uh, as much as he could. And so, uh, so that's what we do with our end products. Uh, we we have have them for different functions. Uh, Roger Tomlin, uh, Colonel Roger Tomlin, gave me the idea of uh, making pens for the model recipients. So we do that on a regular basis. We've given some out uh, in uh, a week, in two weeks from yesterday. Um, but uh, we've, we've made uh, over 400,000 pens in the last nine years. Or 11 years. No, nine years, nine years. Yeah, nine years. So, we're dev- we're we're off the air um, as far as being live broadcasting right now. It does continue to record for probably about ten or fifteen minutes. Um, okay. <clears throat> Yay! I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. I couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have done it without you. Without both. Of you. It was yeah. heart wrenching to ask you a few questions I already knew oh, the I answer know. to, because then I'm like, <laughs> oh, onions, onions. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that. Yeah, I, I, I gotta leave. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if CJ, if if, uh, if Alex told you that, but um, she, uh, she was the impetus oh, yeah. and uh, and the driving force for the uh, audio version of the making of our warrior, and 
we we did that in um, November. Uh, yeah, he actually, Chris. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, um, so Jeff would literally go to Arlington, go visit Chris, and read The Making of Our Warrior. I actually have uh, – you posted some of the pictures, but um, whew, it's heart-wrenching. Heart-wrenching. Yeah. So, uh, to hear well, him read it in his voice. Yeah. I definitely want to, to have you on again uh, one day, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. I knew better than to listen to Alex. Alex has got this very <laughs> impatient, persistent attitude that we should only do an hour. And sometimes no, no, no. Like, some of our guests we don't may... talk. Well, we some actually of our guests, have um... – We can't get an hour out of them. And some of them <laughs> we could get four hours out of them. So um, – I knew better. I should have listened to my gut. No, but you don't, actually, because we literally will be in traffic because we're meeting up with my buddy, uh, buddy who's the commander of uh, the Air Force Special uh, Special Operations Command. So, like, we literally have to split now and go to Fuga de Chao. That, that's what cell phones are for, Alex. <laughs> I know, but I felt so awful when you were got, you guys were like, Hey, I hear you're stepping on the gas. I was like, like, Yeah, Jeff, let me tell you. One time we were doing a a live radio show, and Alex is on the cell phone, and you can hear her flooring her Mustang. Like, literally, (laughs) winding out. I've experienced those those Z-forces on a numerous occasions. And I'm like, like like texting her. Hey, are, why are you why are you like driving and flooring it? I can hear the accelerator in the background of the, of the cell phone. What are you doing? I know you guys called me out on air. I was like, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, I definitely want to say thanks for coming on tonight, brother. And I'm oh, my pleasure. Have you back on. My pleasure. Um, absolutely, it's definitely a great episode, and uh, it, it's definitely <clears throat> an honor to talk about to talk about Chris. And uh, to memorialize him, and I look forward to working with you in the future, brother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sorry about absolutely. your allergies. Yeah, I've, I've had a rough two days with allergies <laughs> between uh, between looking at, at photographer at photos of uh, Jeff and Chris and watching VSA videos. Yeah, my allergies have been out of control. Oh. Well, I will, uh, well, thank I'll you for all you, you guys can... go. Uh-huh. Jeff, make sure you're driving. Don't let uh, Alex drive because <laughs> literally if you are. Well, she, she has no, a, she if, has I, a if I drive, I'm all like, hoka, hey. <laughs> make sure you say an extra prayer, and I'll pray for you as well if you're going to let her drive. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. You Always. should, definitely. All right. All right. You, you guys later. have a good night. Be safe. Thanks, brother. I appreciate Bye. it. We'll talk Bye. to you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.